0: Come on, it's good to see you today. We're in Matthew chapter 7, continuing our series, Sermon on the Mount. We were calling it Kingdom Manifesto because if you look back at the beginning of this message, Jesus was preaching to a crowd of people on the hillside north of, of uh Judea, and he was laying out the guidelines and the lifestyles of his disciples. What what it looks like to be a disciple of Jesus. And and over the last few weeks, we've actually come to a head. We're getting close to the end of the series, uh, only a short time to go. But we're coming to a head in this sermon that Jesus is preaching. And he he actually is throwing down a little challenge to us. Last week, we, we actually... Um, we shared the very familiar scripture uh, to, you know, to ask, seek, not for those who ask will receive and seek will find, and knock will, door will be open. And we, we realized that Jesus had to say this because because the words he was speaking to us, the challenge he was giving to us on how to live our lives as believers was, is is for us impossible to do. We cannot in and of ourselves do what Jesus tells us to do. We try and we fail. We try and we fail. And Jesus lets us know right here in last week's message that you're trying in your own power and, and you aren't good enough to do that. You have to ask, you have to seek, you have to knock in order to receive the Holy Spirit in order to live the life that he's calling us to. And it's 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 a high bar. I mean he raises the bar. And so so we learned last week, I'm not gonna be preaching it, but we learned last week that without the help of the Holy Spirit, we fail. We fall short, and we live in in a in a, a pseudo-state of salvation. It's it's not real, it's not tangible, it's not fruitful. Hmm. And yet we know we, we we're called to be fruitful, right? And so Jesus is. he's he's up in the challenge, charging us to live different, charging us to live different. And this week we're in Matthew 7, 13. Um, He says this, verse 13, enter by the narrow gate. For the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter by it are many. For the gate is narrow and the way is hard. You could say difficult there. The word is difficult. The, the, the way is difficult that leads to life. The, the way is difficult, the way is hard that leads to life. Did, did you hear that? The way is difficult, the way is hard that leads to life, his way, the narrow gate. For those who find it are few. Jesus is, is is in the middle of a sermon and he's preaching and he's talking about, this is what I want you to do. 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 And you have to imagine the people in the crowd were going, yes, amen, amen. But in the back of their minds, they're thinking, but I don't know how I'm going to do that. That is not indicative of my lifestyle. I don't live that way. I can't live that way. I've tried to live that way and I always fail. Maybe they live that way. They live that way. I'm the only one that doesn't live that way. But they live that way, right? Because that's the way God said to live. And no, they don't live that way either. We, none of us live that way. And they're confused about this. And now he's saying, enter by the narrow gate and travel down the narrow path. Oh, and by the way, few will find this. I mean, this is a, a moment where I believe the crowd is arrested by the words of Jesus. Few will find it. I mean, I'm sitting in the crowd, you're sitting in the crowd, we're listening to Jesus preach. I don't know that we don't look at each other and go, oh my gosh, this is tough, bro. I hope I'm one of those few that find it. Can I be one of the Jesus, can I be one of the few? Just a picture with me. Imagine with me, you're, you're traveling down a path. You're traveling down a path, and the path forks. There's a fork in the road, right? There's a fork in the road, and to the left, there's a city. To the right, there's a city, and it's got great big walls, both of them. So you can't get in. You can't just go look in the city. You don't know necessarily what's on the other side of those walls, but but. The path forks, and you're walking on the road, and, and here you have to make a choice. And so you stop at the fork in the road, and you look to the left, and there's this narrow, discreet, hidden, almost masked by some overgrowth. Maybe some maybe some vines are hanging down, but you know there's a there's a gate there, a gate. There's a little swinging door and, in the wall, and, and there's a gate there, and maybe there's one guy standing there. I don't know. Maybe one person. Maybe you see somebody maybe going in, but it's just this one guy, and, and you're looking and, and you're like, I think that's a gate. I'm pretty sure that's a gate. Yeah, that's a gate there. And then you look to the other side, and there's this very large gate, this very big elaborate gate, big arch swung wide open and there's people all around matter how you can see inside the gate you can hear music playing you can you can you can hear laughter you can you can hear people and they're even looking there's a bunch of people at the door of this gate and they're calling out to you hey come on in Woo-hoo, have some fun with us it's good you know and so you're standing at the fork of the road and the temptation the temptation is well goodness gracious it's like everybody's going here i'm gonna go here have you have you ever been somewhere done something like that where you're like you're you're trying to figure out you know where where you're going to go next what you're going to do and you're like well that's where everybody's at I think I'll just go with them that must be where that must be the way right because that's where everybody's going and that's that's exactly what Jesus is saying right here he's painting this picture and 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 yeah it doesn't look popular yes it it does okay it doesn't look fancy it doesn't it doesn't have an appeal to it necessarily on the outside it doesn't look like much because it's just a little narrow, discreet gate, maybe an old rickety wood door. It's it's not elaborate. And then you got this big arch, this big elaborate gate here with all the people and all that laughter and all the fun. I, I, I'm reminded of the story of the prodigal son, and if you don't know that story yet, you will just keep keep reading the Bible. But a son left his dad's house and he went to the city where there was an appeal, where there was a celebration happening. Woohoo! are like a party, man! You know, come on, let's go to Vegas. How many of you know what goes on in Vegas? Doesn't stay in Vegas. <laughs> they tell you that because they don't want you to know that it comes back with you and lives in your conscience. There it is, with you forever, every day, saying, oh, I know what you did. But that's the appeal. Come on, let's go to Vegas. Let's go to the big city. Let's go to Biloxi. I don't know if people say that or not, but. And so there's, there's this draw, and Jesus is painting this picture, and he's saying, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, it looks good. Oh, yeah, the ways of the world looks good. As a matter of fact, it's not, it's not even specifically the ways of the world that look good. It's the ways of the flesh. What I want. You know I want it, and I want it now. I don't want to sing that so bad. I, it's kind of stuck in there, right? I'm not going to do it. I'm resisting the flesh. But it's the way of the flesh. But for the sake of this word picture, it's the way of the world. And, and, and there it is. It's, it's there. It's for us for the taking. It's almost so distracting that we fail to look back and see the narrow gate, the discreet gate, the Jesus way. I'll be honest with you, it is, it is tough. It is tough for people to live the life that Jesus called us to live, a separated life, a consecrated life, a transformed life, a, a sanctified life, a, a holy life. You know, the Bible says, be holy as I am holy, that's what God says in this Bible. He says, be holy as I am holy. My goodness, I don't know how to do that. And sometimes I just like, well, I can't do that. So I might as well just go over here and enjoy myself with the rest of the people. But that's not okay. That's not what Jesus is calling us to. He's calling us to the narrow gate, the narrow way. And he's truly saying, be holy as I am holy. And remember, you have to, you have to hitch this the last week because last week he said, you can't do this on your own. You got to ask And Keep asking. You got to seek and keep seeking. You got to knock and keep knocking because in and of yourself, you lack what it takes to do what I'm calling you to do. But if you'll ask and if you'll seek and if you'll knock, I'll give you gifts. I'll give you the Holy Spirit. I'll give you everything you need, the power to live the life that I've called you to live, the narrow gate life. But you can't do it on your own. And so when I read the scripture, be holy as I am holy, I, I recognize I cannot do this on my own. I have to have God's help right? I have to have God's help. So Jesus calls us to the narrow way, the narrow way. He says it's hard. Come on, somebody say it's hard. It is hard. And it's okay to admit that. My goodness, the Christian life is not an easy life by any means. If you're in school and you're trying to be a Christian in school, you're one of the few. You look around and ain't nobody else praying over their meal. You know, it's uh, nobody else bouncing their eyes when the girl walks through with the low-cut shirt and the big breast and everybody, all the guys are oogling and drooling. And you, know, for me, I got to bounce my eyes. Nobody else is bouncing their eyes. Nobody else is abstaining from sex. They're all having sex. Everybody why well, you know, that's the big gate. That's the arch. Nobody else is telling the truth. They're all lying. They're cheating. They're stealing. They're doing all the things the flesh drives them to do. And how am I to do all what God said to do? And and yet all around me, you look at your family. Some of you, you're, you're one of the Christians in your family, one of the few Christians in your families In your family all around you. You know, you, you'll want to call them heathen, but you can't do that. It's not nice. And, but they are. They're, they're living for the flesh. They're living for the world, the ways of the world. It's all around us on the job. It's all around us. Nobody's living this life that we've been called to live. So, yeah, it's hard. It's difficult to live this. And he says, few will find it. Someone once said the narrow entrance that leads to life symbolizes the exclusive nature, the exclusive nature of Christ's kingdom. Well, that's talking about salvation. The exclusive nature of Christ's kingdom. Entrance requires the disciple to do the will of the Father in heaven. And that speaks of lordship. If He is our Lord and Savior, we will do what He asks us to do, what He commands us to do, and that is to obey. Come on, somebody say obey. Jesus describes it as a narrow gate. Cool thing to note is that the narrow gate does come with the promise of abundant life. Abundant life, let me, let me, define what I'm talking about here, both today in this life, but also in heaven, right? In the future life. Abundant life. Now, when I say abundant life, d- d- don't, don't get me wrong. I'm not talking about just wealth and riches and all kinds of, of cars and houses and boats and all the things that we desire for. I'm not talking about that at all, actually. That, that doesn't... Okay, so that doesn't um, translate to the people in Zimbabwe, right? In the, in the African... Uh, It doesn't translate to the people who live maybe in uh, the the forest of the Amazon in Brazil. So we're not talking about cars and lavish stuff. The abundant life, fruitfulness in our life, abundance, like your life puts off fruit. Jesus said to be fruitful, right? He says, I am the vine, you're the branches. And if you were in me and I am in you, you will produce much. You are to be fruitful, but abundance of fruit, lots of fruit. Let me let me tell you: If you're in school, if you're in a family that's a bunch of heathen, as we were saying, if you're in at a job where you're the only light, you know the only light bulb there, darkness all around. If that's you, your fruitfulness, because you are in Christ and He is in you, your fruitfulness stands out. And for some, that's hope. And yet, for others, they will mock you because you've chosen the narrow way. And they're over here in the broad gate with all the other people. Party down, celebrate, come on with us. What in the world are you doing being a Christian? Boring. And so with the narrow gate comes an abundant or fruitful life, both today and in the life to come in heaven that abundance comes when we enter the narrow gate, which is Jesus. He is the narrow gate. And we surrender our lives to him. When we surrender our lives to him, it's almost like I'm standing at the fork in the road. The narrow gate to my left and to the right is this abundant big gate with all the party things going on in there and all the people and the laughter and the music. I'm standing there. And instead of in me, in and of myself, Ernie, deciding, instead of me saying, you know what? I think I will go, you know, eeny, meeny. (laughs) I I think I'll go. Instead of doing that, we don't even begin that process. We say, Lord, what would you have me to do? So there's an immediate surrender. Well, I would have you to go the narrow gate. And then as we journey down that narrow path and through the narrow gate, And in the hardness of it, in the difficulty of it, we're filled with the power of the Holy Spirit to be abundantly fruitful in our lives because we've surrendered and obeyed Christ, because we've given him our lives. That's what we say when we say we got saved. We gave our life to Christ. I'm not my own. I'm bought with a price, the very blood of Jesus Christ that he spilled on Calvary. We are called to die to self. That's what I just did when I illustrated that. I said, Lord, what would you have me to do? It's not what I want, it's what you want me to do. Interestingly, Jesus in the garden before he went to be crucified, he prayed and he said, Father, if there's any other way we could do this besides the cross, if there's any other way, you know, hey, it'd be a good time to enact plan B, whatever. But he, he said, but nonetheless, not my will, but yours be done. That's a surrendered life. Jesus modeled that for us. And we have the opportunity to live that life out daily, right? Does the Bible say take up your cross daily? That's what we do. We take up our cross daily. We die to self daily and we surrender to God. in this day, God, because I can't do this on my own. I cannot do this on my own. I do not have the power in and of myself to live the life you've called me to on my own. I must be filled with your Holy Spirit. I must have the power of heaven helping me, reminding me, convicting me in order to live this life. But in that, as I go through the narrow path, through the narrow door, down the narrow path, I begin to produce fruit that's indicative of heaven. Fruit that looks like heaven that when people taste and see, they know the Lord is good because of the life that I've chosen to live. We're called to die to self and adhere to Jesus's teachings his moral code, his ethical standards for his kingdom. Interestingly, and I kind of alluded to this earlier, but the narrow gate is exclusively inclusive. The narrow gate is exclusively inclusive. It's, there's one way. The only way is Jesus. It's one way, yet it's a call for everybody. It's available to everybody, yet there's only one way way. John 10, 7, Jesus tells us. So uh, Jesus again said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. And then in verse nine, a few scriptures later, he says, I am the door. Remember, remember, remember the word picture. Remember, we're on the path, walking the road, big arch over here, big open gate, narrow gate here. Jesus says, I'm that door. <laughs> I'm the door to the big wall is the wall of the kingdom of God. And we don't know necessarily what's on the other side. We think we know. We read the Bible and get some ideas, some hints of what's on the other side of the wall, but we really don't know. But we do know this. Jesus says, I'm the door. The door interestingly, the door that's not beautiful, the door that's not big and wide, the door that doesn't let just tens and thousands of people come in, the door that's narrow, the door that's slim, the door that's discreet, it's hidden. It's, it's not prolific. It's discreet. He says, I'm that door. I'm the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture, find substance that's not of this world. There are a lot of people that say this is the way. A lot of people in the world, a lot of people in the big gate that say this is the way. It's not that way. Guys, it's not that way. Jesus is not the only way. Come on, man. Come on. There's a way over here. There's a way over here. Look, there's lots of ways. Matter of fact, yes, you think that's the only truth, but that's not the only truth. There's truth. There's truth over here and over here and over here. Look at all the truth. Go to any university and you find truth. Go to go to, go to, go to Washington, D.C. Go to the capitals of the world You'll see there's lots of truth. Come on, guys. Don't don't be naive to think that that one little slim door, that one little gate is the only truth there is, that there's only one truth. Don't be thinking that. And and there's life. (laughs) Look at all the life you could be experiencing. Come on, young people. You can just go out and enjoy yourself. Enjoy your life. There's so much that this world has to offer. Come on. Come on. Go. Let's go. Let's go party, you know, and Don't think that that one little slim door, that little discreet door is the only life there is. But Jesus says, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. I am. It's not that he even leads us to that. He is the way, he is the truth, and he is the life. So there's a contrast, an obvious contrast. And maybe you've been a believer for 40 years or 30 years, 20 years, and you're solid and grounded in here. But you know, there are others in this room that are just like taking baby steps and they're being enticed, they're being solicited to come to the big open gate. Come on to the big open gate. Come one, come all. Well, interestingly, we think we're the only ones tempted for that purpose to do that. But yet Jesus shows us in early in his ministry, he was led by the Holy Spirit to the wilderness where he was tempted by satan himself in those same areas in that same way come on bow to me and i'll give you everything you'll have it all you'll have the big house you'll have the career oh you'll have the lamborghini he entices us and you know some some get so enamored by that that they lose focus of the little narrow gate over here, that discreet narrow gate. And Jesus says, I'm the way, the only way, the truth, the only truth. And I am life, the only life. Now, it wouldn't be fair if I didn't contrast. The, that's, we talked about this narrow gate life, but there, there is that broad gate. There is that broad gate. And Jesus says of it, it's wide, and then it leads to destruction he says of it that it's easy it's easy you would probably see a street sign there sticking out says easy street it's easy and and, and he says many enter many enter but he also says that it leads to destruction 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 in this life as well as destruction in the future life. So instead of eternity with Jesus, it'd be eternal separation from God. But it's not just oh and we and we we call that hell. That's what we call the hell. And and so it's not just in hell, it's in this life also. It's it's embracing the life of sin, pleasure, lust of the eyes, lust of the flesh, pride of life. It's not just in future, it's now. It's now also in It's embracing life of sin, and and when you do that, you embrace the consequences of sin. There are consequences to sin. There's physical pain and suffering that comes with it. There's emotional traumas that happen with it. There's uh, mental anguish that comes with the life of sin. And so destruction is both in this life and the next. So when Jesus says destruction, he's talking about now and later. Yet people, people don't seem to care. (laughs) it's almost as if we ignore that side, right? We ignore the consequences of the choices. We just want the pleasure of the choice. We want, the, we want to be gratified. People are so excited about this big gate, this big pathway. People flock to it in mass. We want to fit in, right? We want to fit in. We want people to like us. We want to be accepted. And so instead of choosing the difficult way we choose the easy street and we ch- channel our life down that street and and we do it we do it almost pridefully you know uh, uh, almost uh, you know i'm on a highway to hell come on sing it with me dude you know if we cued that song up right now half the room would be singing along if not out loud in their heads We are, we're unashamed of this life. And Jesus is saying, no, nah, you, got, you got a choice to make here. Are you going to surrender to me and follow the narrow path and the narrow gate? Or, or are you going to surrender to the flesh? That's what it is. And go with the, the broad gate. Interestingly, interestingly, we have a choice to make either to obey or disobey. And and if you go all the way back to the very beginning, Genesis chapter 2, God created this garden, and he put man in this garden, and then he said, you can have anything. You can enjoy yourself, really. That is the abundant life. You can do anything except don't eat of the fruit of this one tree. It was called the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And he said, you can eat of anything, do anything, don't eat. of the One rule, man, one rule, don't eat of this fruit. And what did mankind do? Adam and Eve, they They were enticed by the serpent. The serpent was like, oh, come on. Come on, really? (laughs) Did God really say? And they got them to thinking, I don't know. And they disobeyed God. They chose to live. They chose to do what they wanted to do. It's almost as if, I don't know, this is my opinion, my perspective. It's almost as if they said, ain't nobody going to tell me what to do. America. <laughs> no. Uh, whatever that fruit was, and oh well, it messed us all up. And we're still messed up today because of it. Jesus continues in verse 15, and, and, and you got to keep in mind, this is all in context here. He's saying, don't, don't be deceived, don't be distracted. Don't be enticed. Don't let the serpent talk you into eating the fruit. Don't go to the big gate. Stick with me, narrow gate, narrow path. And yet it continues in 15. And he says, beware of false prophets. You could almost replace that or or add to that. False teachers, false communicators, false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. Strong language. You will recognize them by their fruits. That's an interesting perspective here. By their fruits. Remember, we were just talking about the fruit that Adam and Eve ate. By their fruits. We talked about fruit that we're to produce the abundant life. You will recognize them by their fruits. Are grapes gathered? Here we go, hyperbole. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? So every healthy tree bears good fruit, but the diseased tree bears bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Verse 20, thus you will recognize them by their fruits. Beware. Warning. It's it's almost like when you, have you you ever had to sit your kid down and say, you you can't go that close to the street. There are cars coming down the street. Don't, look at me, look at me. Stay in the yard. Don't go in the street. And Jesus is saying, beware. There's a narrow gate, a narrow way that leads to life. Come on, somebody. Leads to life. It is abundant in fruitfulness when you surrender yourself in this gate. But there is a broad way. Few will find the narrow gate, but many will find the broad gate. Beware. There's temptations that are going to come in front of you, beware. And y'all know there's a lot of temptations. There's just the lust of the eyes, lust of the flesh, the pride of life, all those things that draw us from the flesh. But then there's also people that would stand on a stage and communicate to an audience things that are not leading us to the way that is narrow. Beware. Now, honestly, I, I, I don't know what it was. I don't know what it was specifically. And I've studied every, every, every theological book. I could get my hands on the staff. We, we looked at this. I, it doesn't necessarily say, why did Jesus specifically, why did Jesus specifically point out this one temptation? And I'm not sure. Maybe it is because it is so deceiving, right? Uh, wolves in sheep's clothing. They look like a sheep, smell like a sheep, talk kind of like a sheep but they're not a sheep. Maybe that's what he was saying is the, the deception of it. Maybe even the deception of religion, the bad sense, of course, The good side of that, but the deception of religion. But he points out specifically these ravenous wolves, these wolves in sheep's clothing. There, there, there's, two, there's two things that really, When we talk about religion in in the bad sense, okay, y'all know there's religion in the good sense. There's the good side of religion. But then there's some, there's corruption in in there also. And so in the bad side, there's, if you can imagine extremes, I'll use my left hand and my right hand. But in the extremes, there's legalism on one end of the spectrum, and there's lawlessness on the other end of the spectrum. And, and as a religious communicator, I don't want to be on either one of these ends. I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to be on the legalism end. I don't want to communicate legalism that puts people in bondage, and I don't want to communicate lawlessness that frees us to just do whatever feels good. You want to stay in the middle, right? You want to stay in the in the way, the truth, the life that Jesus communicates. We want to stay in the Word of God. But Jesus points out that not everybody does that. Not everybody stays in. The safe zone, the lane that teaches us that we should go the narrow way. There there are those that would teach legalism, legalism, legalism. A bunch of rules that you've got to obey. As a matter of fact, legalism, this is my perspective of it, but it's a very, very, I believe, accurate but common understanding of legalism. It's it's really saying that we can do it on our own without Jesus' help. It's saying obey all the rules in your own strength. And it's constantly saying, come on, got, why are you doing that? Come on, get it right. Come on, you've got to, you've got to. And, and I can snort and spit and holler and talk about how you've got to be good and you, you've got to quit sinning and repent of your sins and you can do this and I could really tie you up in a knot, man, and leave you just laying there trying to live your life. That, that, so that's the one end, okay, legalism. And then there's the other end that is the lawlessness. Lawlessness, I mean, I, you probably know what I'm talking about, but just for those who may not, lawlessness. It's the, oh, God didn't really mean that. You just go and live your life. You've been set free, right? Come on, live in your freedom. Go do whatever feels good. And You know, you're, you're getting drunk and having all kinds of parties and doing whatever feels right. Just no rules because you're free. And so there's that. There, there, are, there are people. Let me, let me go back. There are people in Jesus' day, obviously, teaching legalism and lawlessness because there has been since the beginning of time. Both of those would come from the pit of hell. I mean, that's the enemy's tactic to deceive us, to get us away from the narrow way, okay? But even today, there are people that they tie us up in religion and make us feel shameful and guilty they condemn us and the bible says there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in christ jesus led by the spirit of god there's no condemnation yet there are those that would tie us up in knots and there are likewise those on the other end that would just never even refer back to the bible and i I was i was studying i was studying uh, a commentary, and and it did say that it, it was very common in Jesus's day for there to be false prophets. Jesus' day, but prior to Jesus, the Old Testament, there were very common to be prophets that would come, and they would they would start interjecting things, you know, you know, you can do this in the name of Yahweh, or in the name of Baal. You know, they would just, it's either one, you know, it's multiple channels, you know, whatever feels good to you, and uh, you, God didn't necessarily mean that. Boy, if you ever hear me say that, just you start closing your ears. That's just not okay, right? Yet there are people who, who, who teach lawlessness. Maybe they wouldn't call it that, but it's what it is. And so we have to be discerning. Jesus says, beware. We have to be discerning. Legalism pulls us away from grace and liberty. Because, guys, there is some liberty in, in the fruitfulness and the abundant life of the narrow way. Lawlessness pulls us away from obedience. And Jesus is very definitive when he talks about obedience. False prophets divide the church rather than unify the body. Rather than unify the body around the essential doctrines and teachings of Christ, which consequently lead people away from Jesus. Anybody that's over here or over here is leading people away from the way, the truth, the life that Jesus provides in the narrow way. So I just said all that. Jesus said beware. But I feel like I gotta do a little quick commercial break here. Can I do that real quick? Just just I, I want to speak to you to also say beware. <laughs> beware because <sighs> innocently we can we can find ourselves paying way too much attention to those that teach Legalism and those that teach lawlessness, we can we can get so we can actually get distracted by these people that are out there. Man, you're on Facebook, and all of a sudden you see something, and you see somebody, and you're like, "Oh my goodness, that's what Pastor Mike was talking about. That's what Jesus said. Beware of." I got to tell my friends. <laughs> I got to let everybody know, and you just repost, 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 and you're so distracted by them that you fail to live the narrow way. And I'm going to tell you, I, 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 I'm real careful. I, I'm real careful. I, I am not. I do not feel like judge point... I do not feel like God's appointed me to be his cop, and I don't think you are appointed to be his cop either in that we police things for him. You know, oh, my goodness, this guy's being teaching lawlessness. I got to go fix that. And so you just start posting all your opinions. You know, I, I just I don't feel like God's called us to that. He's called us to the narrow way. And Jesus didn't say beware and then post on Facebook what you see. He just said beware, okay? Beware so you don't get distracted. Now, I, I, I mean, I understand if, if, it's, if it's one of your kids or one of your loved ones, someone, a brother or a sister in the body of Christ that's over here, you, you want to go rescue them. There are scriptures that support that. You want to go rescue them, right? Pl- pl- pluck them out of their deception, bring them back to the narrow way. But you do that discreetly and not on Facebook, not on Instagram, not, not on social media. And you know what? If, if somebody's out there doing that, somebody... If some of you are doing that, just stop. Okay, that's easy, right? That'd be an easy fix. But if somebody you know is doing that, you can't stop them. Don't get on there and argue with them. Don't get on there and argue with them. That, that's just not fruitful. It's not productive. Maybe in private, give them a call and say, hey, I love you too much to not tell you this, but you're, I think you've lost sight of the narrow way. And they will defend themselves. They will defend themselves and say, no, no, I'm in the narrow way, and that's why I'm pointing out the legalism and lawlessness. <laughs> that's what they'll say. But let me say, as a pastor, let me warn you as a pastor, it's so easy to get distracted. And now you'll be known for what you're against and not what you're for. You will not live an abundant and fruitful life that others taste and see that the Lord is good, okay? So anyway, that was my commercial break. I'm done with that. So Jesus warns us about false prophets. I want to give you a couple ways Jesus said, beware. I want to give you just a couple ways right here as we close to identify if, if the message is false, if the, if the person teaching is false, because there's so many voices on the internet today, so many voices around us. So here's quick, four quick things. Number one, is it a different message? When you're listening to that message, yeah, haven't come on up. When you're listening to that message of that, that person and you're wondering, is, is that the one Jesus is saying beware of? Is it a different message? Where does the message come from? Does it, does the message teach, and come from the truths proclaimed by the Bible? Is it biblically based? Is Jesus the central theme of the teaching? And I, and I would almost lean over here to lawlessness because there are teachers out there that are teaching things that sound good. They tickle the ears, man. They sound good, but there's absolutely no Bible. If there is any Bible, it's it's not necessarily accurate. It's it's sketchy, and it's even. Jesus, the gospel is not in it. And so be, be, that's a good way. It's just one little one little indicator. Number two, oh, oh, uh, let, let me expound on that a little bit. <laughs> let me go back to this. I, I really think this is important. So I just said that, that there's no Jesus in it. When we read the Bible, like today, this text that we're reading today, the way our staff, our pastors spent the time this week doing is, is is it's a it's a theological term called exegesis. Exegesis. And it means to take a passage of scripture and then look at the context. Jay, you'll you'll follow you'll follow me on this, right? Let me look at you while I talk about this. So exegesis, it's it's taking a scripture in context. This is a, a set of scriptures that are in the context of the Sermon on the Mount. Where is that? Who is that? Who is he talking to? Why is he saying it? When he says these things and they have implications that are otherwise, he's, he's saying things, maybe he's quoting Old Testament and he does that throughout you know, this Old Testament. It's, it's tying that in. It's, it's recognizing the, the, the context of the scripture. And we, we work really hard as the staff pastors week after week after week. To, to do this, to make sure that we're being accurate. I don't, I don't wanna say something to you that's my opinion based on my perspective of the word. I want it to be, what was the original intent? Does that make sense? Okay, so that's exegesis. But there's another theological term called eisegesis. You've probably heard of that, Jay. Eisegesis. Eisegesis is to take one scripture. Let me just, I'm, this is making fun, but it's not making fun of the Bible. It's making fun of us as people. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Come on, how many of you got that on your bathroom wall? You know what I'm talking about. You got it at Hobby Lobby. And it's, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And it's taking that one scripture and then applying it to all kinds of scenarios in life. That's just one example, right? But it's taking it. And I could preach, I could preach a whole sermon on, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. The, the, the problem is it, it, it begins to get into an egotistical, narcissistic element. And there's actually a word called Narcissus I had to go look at it because I can't remember. Narcissus, There's literally a word, Beverly. That, that says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthened me. Again, I'm just using this one scripture. It's a really good scripture, by the way, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you what it means. But it's taking that scripture and applying it to me. I <clears throat> can do all things. When Jesus is preaching, you can't do anything on your own. <laughs> Yet, yeah, I take a scripture, I sogete it, take it out of the context. Now, hold it right up here. Y'all just stay with me up here. The context is Paul saying, I've lived with everything. I've lived with nothing. I've lived in prison. I've lived beaten up and cast down, and I've lived on top too, guys. I, and, and you know what? I've learned to be content in everything, and I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I've learned to be content, I can do all things through strength. I can do all things through Christ, who strengthens me. So if I take it out of context, I can apply it to so many things. Well, okay, you get my point. So be careful. Beware, he says. Jesus says, beware. When you listen to something and it tickles your ears, you might want to open your Bible and just see what, he's, what does it really say. You might, want to, you might want to look a little bit forward, a chapter ahead, maybe even a couple chapters, and look after who is Jesus talking to? Is this truly applicable to me? Is this Is this God's instruction to me? Or is this just some guy with a fluffy message out here. And, and again, I'm not saying, again, don't, don't, don't get me wrong here. I'm not saying, okay, that guy is a heretic. He is a false prophet. He's saying all these things. He's isogeting. I don't the word now. Isogeting the word. And tell all your friends on Facebook. No, come on. No, you don't, no, no. But you, you know what? Just get back to the narrow way. And, and let me again, I have to balance this and say, there's a lot of good teachers out here, guys. Not all of them are doing these things. Actually, it's the few that are in legalism and law, since just, just don't, don't, don't let the pendulum swing too far. But, but, but Jesus has to say it here. He says, beware. Beware. Make sure it's not a different message. I've told you there's a few things. Number two is a different fruit. What does the message produce? Are the people in the teacher's flock growing in the character of Christ and increasingly exhibiting the fruit of the Spirit? Does, does it point you towards freedom from sin found only in Christ? What is the fruit? Remember, Jesus says, come into the narrow gate and live the narrow path. And there, when you surrender to me, there is where fruit comes. Does it point me to that? Number three, a different incentive. Why should you listen to the message? This is where it gets really (sighs) fleshly, I guess. Does it make me feel good? That legalism. That legalism. He's preaching now. <sighs> what is that? But it makes me feel good. So what is the what is what is the motive? Oh no, he makes me feel good. I feel like I feel like I'm living my best life now. Oh, what is that statement? I've made it before. something about the best. God wants you to be the best version of you you can be. Anyway, I could preach a whole message on that too. Jesus said it's hard. Jesus is saying the narrow way is not popular. What's motivating me here? Am I the prodigal son that, and that might be a little extreme, but that's in my father's house, but I keep I keep hearing this freedom over here, and it sure doesn't sound like the restraints that Jesus puts on me. So I, I, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm just gonna go over here. What's the fruit? What's the incentive? And what's the destination? Where does the message ultimately lead you? Does it lead you through the narrow gate? to the narrow gate, narrow path lifestyle. Come on, I want to I close with this. Romans chapter 10, verse eight says, but what does it say? The word is near you in your mouth and in your heart. That word of faith that we proclaim. Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, we're, we're at the end of that path. We're at that place where there's a fork in the road. And, 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 and here we have to make a choice. Do we follow the big open gate or the narrow one? If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. But with the heart, one believes and is justified. And with the mouth, one confesses and is saved. The scripture says everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. Everyone who says, Lord, what do you want me to do? And surrenders to him and enters by the narrow gate on the narrow path. We'll be saved and will live. Do you want to live? Even if it's hard, do you want to live? Do you want to live? In this life and the next, do you want to live? Jesus is calling us through the narrow gate. Let's pray. Father, we humble ourselves before you today. We ask you to pour out your grace in this time, in this moment. God, maybe there are some in this room that have chosen the narrow way, narrow narrow gate, and they're living their life for you, being fruitful, abundantly fruitful. But yet there are some in this room today that are so distracted by the broad gate, and so we need your grace. We even, we even go back to the scriptures from last week that say, God, we're here today asking you to open our eyes to see the truth, open our hearts to embrace the way. God, we're knocking today and asking for help from our heavenly Father to deny the flesh, to deny the temptations of the serpent, of the false prophet of the world, and surrendering our lives to Jesus, to the narrow way life. Come on now, I'm going to finish praying here in a moment, but I want to just take a second to give you the opportunity right where you're sitting there, nobody's looking around, all eyes are closed, just take a moment in that moment right there in that seat to say, Jesus, I surrender to you. I surrender to the narrow way life. Come on, maybe you've never done this before. And he's calling you to salvation right now. And he's saying, join me. His hands are outreached. He's saying, come and join me. And the Bible says, if you believe in your heart, and he died for your sins. And, he, and you confess it with your mouth that you'll be saved. So right now, Father, we believe in our hearts. We confess. We surrender to you. God, help us to live this narrow way life, one day at a time, by the power of the Holy Spirit. Come on, just receive fresh, fresh breath of heaven right now. Fresh breath of heaven right now over your life to live the life that God's called you to. Come on, if you're a young person in school, receive the power of the Holy Spirit right now to live different. Come on, for your, for your testimony and your family, people are watching. God, would you fill us fresh with the power of the Holy Spirit to live that testimony in front of our families. For those of you on the job, would you fill us, Father, with the power of the Holy Spirit to live the Jesus life, the narrow way life, On the job in front of those folks, that we could be that light that shines. Come on, just asking. He told us to ask, He told us to seek, He told us to knock. Thank you, Father. You are faithful, even when we're not, and we're so grateful. We receive it now in Jesus' name. Amen.